The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine is on a journey. He's come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children are in bed with me. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him bread because he is his friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Almighty God, as we come to Pilgrim's Progress today, I ask that you would, by your Holy Spirit, guide my words and give each listener the ability to understand these vital issues about why their prayers are not answered. Lord, would you come very close by your Spirit now? Thank you, Jesus. I pray. I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. Some of you are going to find this broadcast quite uncomfortable. I urge you to listen anyway. I'd love to hear from you what your thoughts are. But let's begin with... Some time ago, I shared with you the story of one of our listeners whose granddaughter was pregnant, and the doctors were telling her that the pregnancy was not going to be viable, that there was a very serious problem medically with this child. The grandfather contacted me. I prayed. I felt that I was very much in line with God's will. And so I prayed and I fasted for this child. He likewise called his family to pray, and they prayed and fasted together. The little one died in the womb, and our hearts were broken. He texted me last night at 6.22 p.m. Let me read for you his text. Why do you think the Lord told you to pray for total deliverance of the baby? I gave a partial explanation. And then I wrote back a why question often has something behind the question. 
What are you rethinking about prayer? And I sent him the passage of Scripture from Job, the 12th chapter, verse 10, in whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind, Job 12.10. He wrote me back, some of it personal, I'll not share. But there's one key part I do want to share. What is the purpose of commanding us to believe in his many promises of asking and receiving, believing and receiving, and us doing so only to have neither life nor healing received? I was so sure that Audrey was going to live and was contending in prayer for healing in spite of the weekly reports that her condition was not improving. So now I struggle with the call to pray, believing. Why were our prayers not answered? And it's an easy thing to say, well, it wasn't God's will. And that's true. But it's not the whole answer. Now, some nine years ago, my late wife was diagnosed with cancer. I began to lay on my face and cry out for her life. I began to fast and pray and ask for total and complete healing in her body. I needed my partner to walk with me in this ministry. And she wanted to walk with me in this ministry. If any of you remember Jan, she was a very competent associate pastor, a co-pastor with the National Prayer Chapel. Her preaching was very solid. Her teaching on the radio was very solid. We had many promises of revival that God would send. As she grew increasingly sick, as we went through December and January with multiple surgeries, we were told that the cancer was all through her body. We were heartbroken. We didn't know how to even think of this. One day... I was with a dear brother. He had come to the house to join me in prayer and fasting. All I heard from the Lord was, you're too big for me to heal her. And I was heartbroken. I began to pray, Lord, reduce me so that you can answer my prayers. And finally, that morning in May, early hours, I was praying. I was exhausted. I'd been taking care of my precious sweetheart. I'd been up multiple times through the night. And she began to lose consciousness. And at 10 o'clock in the morning, as I was there beside her, 
she took her last breath, and she was gone. Now, I know I'll see her on the other side if I'm there, and by God's grace, I will be there. The day my precious wife Jan died, I felt like I died. Many in the prayer chapel left, including the man who had come to pray with me. They did not believe that God was with me if he would not answer my prayer for my wife's healing. And so 25% of the congregation left. We'd all been praying that God would heal. And when he didn't, they couldn't handle it. Well, neither could I. But I just thrust myself even more into prayer, confessing before God I didn't know why he had not answered. But frankly, it was very hard to pray with faith. How could I pray with confidence that God would answer when he had not answered? It was the most urgent prayer of my life, and it had not been answered not according to the way I believed and wanted. National ministries were calling me and praying with me and say, Pastor, just stand firm, don't waver. God has told us she will be healed. I never heard from them again after she died. They disappeared as mist in the morning sun. So here we have this passage of Scripture in Luke, the 11th chapter, He's saying, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And then if we look at John, the 15th chapter, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, verse 7, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And then if you go, again, um, let me find the scripture. It's in in First John. First John, the fifth chapter, verse fourteen. 
This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of Him. I was absolutely confident that I was praying for my wife in the will of God. And she died. She was gone. How do we deal with this? Well, there are several ways we can deal with it. We can say, it wasn't God's will. Well, then what is God's will? And we've said that so many times, we've let God off the hook, and we've let ourselves off the hook. I know from my experience of walking now for many years with my father that he does answer prayers. But many times in very crucial moments, he has not answered my prayers. And I have been left devastated and alone. Now he has said to me, wait on the Lord. How long do you wait till you die? If necessary. He said, I will carry you. The Lord will carry you. Has he been carrying me? Yes, he's been carrying this radio broadcast. He's been carrying my personal cost. The rent's been paid every month. There are things that I don't have that I desperately need, and I'm waiting upon the Lord for those things. But there has to be more of an answer. And I can't let myself off the hook. I'm going to simply make a bold statement to you. And it's this. God is faithful. You could put that on my tombstone. God is faithful. It's it's me who's not faithful. And I want to read for you the reason why many prayers are not answered. In many churches today, there are no prayer meetings. Why? Often a prayer meeting is the smallest attendance of the week. One pastor of a mega church said to me, if I called for a prayer meeting in our church, we might have 10 or 11 people who would show up, while on Sunday, a huge crowd shows up. a very prominent national pastor. If I named him, you would instantly know him. He has a congregation of thousands. He held Thursday night prayer meetings and the sanctuary would be full. But as time went forward, slowly the numbers began to drop until finally the prayer meeting was discontinued. 
Why were there so many people there in the beginning of that prayer time? Well, his preaching during that time was very confrontive of sin, calling for repentance. But as time passed on, he decided that his message needed to be more of a of a comforting message and a message for how to grow in Jesus. And as he dealt more with the comfort and the growth, the prayer meeting died. The problem we're facing, the reason church prayer meetings are not happening, is because people do not experience anything happening in the physical realm when they pray. In other words, they go to prayer meeting, they pray, and then they see nothing happen as a result. And so they say, this is simply an exercise of inner spiritual life that has no meaning in the physical world. Now, I've always said, you can measure a man's, you can measure a woman's spiritual growth and life by whether or not when they pray, things in the physical realm are changed. When they pray for someone's conversion, that person is brought into conversion. When they pray for healing, that person is healed. When you begin to see that, you begin to see people who are earnest about prayer and who spend a great deal of time praying because they want things changed in the physical realm. They want their family saved, but if they prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing has happened, they will finally give up praying for their family and say, nothing is happening, it doesn't work. Now, they won't tell you, I don't pray anymore. They just won't spend nights in prayer. They won't, they won't take prayer seriously as they had before. Now, quite frankly, part of what I see today among us Christians, do I dare say this? We have found other means of meeting our needs other than the Lord God of heaven. So essentially, there's a sense in which we don't need him. We have jobs or retirement money or income of some kind, and that covers the food for the, the cost for our food, covers the rent or the mortgage. It covers the cost of the automobile. If you want a new car, you go to the dealer and you arrange a payment that you think you can handle and you drive away with your new car. Financing it may be five years or seven years, but you're driving a new car, or you lease the car. If you get sick, you immediately take your children or yourself to the doctor, and you have insurance to cover the cost. And so, essentially, life is pretty well covered. You have vacations. You can give to the poor. You don't need God. You don't need to have God step in and do anything in your life. Oh, you want him. There's an emotional tie if you're a Christian. But you don't need to have him answer your prayer to provide 
healing for your body or for... Because the doctor's got that covered. Or money for the mortgage because your job has that covered. I want to say this not out of fear-mongering, but out of absolute honesty. We are in now the beginning stages of absolute destruction in America. The finances are crashing now. Only the beginning. We're going to see a total destruction of America's finances. We're going to see famine in America. During the Great Depression of 1929 and in following years, over 7 million people died in America of starvation. We will see starvation once more in America. We will see plague and disease that doctors cannot cure. We're coming now into a time when the Lord is going to bring his judgments down upon this nation because we have utterly neglected him and his righteousness. And as a nation of the gospel of Jesus, we have rested in lies, theological lies, believing that we are free to continue walking in our Gnostic beliefs, that you can sin and still be saved, that you can't ever leave your sin. This is Gnosticism 101. And so God's judgments are going to come upon this nation, and they will be a a splitting of the earth apart. Earthquakes, huge hurricanes, hail. I just read about hail in Minneapolis, Minnesota area, the size of baseball. Even one reported the size of a grapefruit, smashing car windows, smashing house windows, destroying roofs. We are coming into a time of famine and destruction. And we need to find out what we have to do for God to answer our prayers, or we will not survive the coming destruction on America. So let me read for you Isaiah. Isaiah 59 gives us a very clear answer. For why, when we pray, we do not get an answer from our Lord? Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Our sins, our iniquities... And you may say, wait a minute. The children of Israel said, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are we doing wrong? We're offering sacrifices. How are we walking in sin? It's time for you and for me, and I've been doing this, to lay before the Lord with weeping and say, Lord, I don't even know how I'm sinning against you. But obviously, the heavens are shut up. You have hidden your face from us. You're not hearing our prayers. 
What is the sin? Not the actions. What are the ways of our life that are utterly disgusting to you, that have caused you to turn your face away from us? It it is now a time for great searching of the heart to find out what is it that is blocking God from communicating with us, speaking with us. I've been asking the Lord for a number of years, Lord, I know this message needs to go on the FM dial to a much larger audience. In fact, I know it needs to go nationally. Lord, would you send the resources? Would you send the people? Would you send the help that we could go to the FM side of the broadcast where there's a much larger audience listening? He's not answered my prayer. Instead, he said, wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. So as I wait, I'm examining my life and my heart, and I'm weeping before the Lord and saying, Lord, obviously there's a problem in my life. I am not nearly close enough to you. Now, when our prayer is not answered for the the healing of our baby or the healing of our wife, the healing of a mother or father, the restoration of a marriage, the heartache of a child that's in rebellion. When God doesn't answer the prayer, the tendency is to say, God doesn't answer prayer. Or God's not willing to answer my prayer, so why should I pray anymore? I've just got to go do the best I can do. No. There's a better answer. And the better answer is to say, Lord, you are faithful. I know that from the scriptures. I know I am the one who is unfaithful. Now I'm going to search after you until you expose my heart. And I'm going to cry out to you and say, Oh God, uncover the wickedness of my soul. Uncover the wickedness of my thoughts. Some of you, you indulge in pornography, which is fornication or adultery if you're married. Some of you indulge in the pleasures of this world. You don't find pleasure in Jesus anymore. You, you find pleasure in the, in the computer, in the internet, in the movies. You find your pleasure in drinking alcohol, smoking pot. Some of you find your pleasure in earning money. It's our iniquities that have separated us from God. It's our our gossip and our judgments and our bitterness and our lack of forgiveness in our hearts for those who have hurt us. And so God doesn't answer our prayers. Heaven is sealed up. It's tight. 
And if we then say, well, God doesn't answer prayer today, so I'll just go do what I have to do to take care of business, you're a fool. You've turned away from the Almighty God, the only one who holds your life in his hands. You are testing him as the children of Israel did. And they died in the desert. My brother, my sister, I don't want to die in the desert. I want to go on through to Cana land. And I don't want you to die in the desert. I want you to go through to Cana land. Isaiah 64. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to help those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you are angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags, We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you've hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of our sins. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look upon us, we pray, for we are all your people. Your sacred cities have become a desert. Even Zion is a desert, Jerusalem a desolation. Our holy and glorious temple where our fathers praised you, has been burned with fire, and all that we treasured lies in ruins. After all this, O Lord, will you hold yourself back? Will you keep silent and punish us beyond measure? Isaiah 64. I say, Lord, that is our condition today before a holy God. I don't know of any known sin that I'm walking in. I've turned away from everything that I know to be evil, but I still find myself very distant from the Almighty God, and it's because of my ways, and I don't understand what those ways are, and so I am crying out to God to show me my ways, to uncover what would separate his heart and my heart. You see, I won't be content until I'm brought in the very presence of Jesus, where I walk daily in the anointing and the power of his Holy Spirit in the fullness of all that he has for us. 
So I'm weeping before him. Looking at those things that I have decided, thinking they were right, but they were wrong. Looking to my father and asking him to please come and rescue me. He says, wait on the Lord. And the Lord will carry you through. That is, the Lord is going to carry you through this time of very painful struggle with the powers of darkness to be brought fully into the light and glory of Jesus. That's what I want. That's the cry of my heart. To be brought into the presence of Jesus that he could answer my prayers that I would know how to pray in accord with his will. The only way you can know to pray in the will of God is first to find the promise in Scripture. Let me read it for you. It's found in the New Testament. It's found in the book of Peter. Second Peter, the first chapter, Second Peter, the first chapter, his divine power, that is his divine dynamite, dunamis is the Greek word here from which we get dynamite. His divine power has given, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. In other words, we deal with the evil desires of our heart, our evil ways. We deal with them by claiming the promises of Scripture and standing by faith that God will do this work in us. And I want to tell you, God is doing that work in my life. He's not finished with it. I'm not walking in any known rebellion against him. I'm not watching pornography. I'm not, I'm not doing all of the actions of the wicked. But there are yet ways in me that I don't understand and I'm crying out to God, I'm standing on his precious promises that he will finish this work in my heart so he can answer my prayers once again. Do you understand what I'm saying to you today? Are you willing to go deeper with Jesus? Are you willing to stop turning aside from him and saying, well, Pastor Ray, that, that works in your life, but I just have to go what I go do what I have to do because God won't answer me. Oh, God won't answer you either. Are you willing to lay your life down to get close to him? Are you willing to ask that the hand of God rule over your heart and your life? Will you call upon the name of the Lord as I am doing? Will you humble your heart before him? and repent for arrogance and pride? 
were so self-righteous. I've been so self-righteous, so filled with pride, so arrogant before God, thinking I have a right to be able to have my prayers answered. What? God doesn't owe me anything except death. He owes me judgment for my sins and my iniquity. His gracious gift is is eternal life. His gracious gift is to forgive my sins. He doesn't owe that to me. That's a gift. I didn't earn that. The righteousness that's in my life, I didn't earn. It was infused by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and rebuked and changed and broke all that I am that is good is from Jesus. All that I am that is evil comes from my own heart. So if God is not answering your prayers, if your heart is broken, will you humble yourself before God? And will you say, Lord, I repent. I repent. And I am converted. That is, I am now taking a sharp turn away from my current course. And I'm searching after God with all of my heart and all of my being. And I'm not going to stop praying. I'm going to knock and seek and ask until he answers That Luke 11 passage is so powerful for me because he does not give the Holy Spirit automatically. He gives the Holy Spirit, it says, to him who asks the Father. I need Jesus. I can't make it without him. I can't feed myself without him. I can't continue to do this radio broadcast without him. The Lord said to me yesterday as I was getting ready to do this broadcast, push on through. I took that to mean, don't give up. Your prayers will be answered. The searching of your heart will be satisfied. You're making progress toward heaven. So this morning, as I went in the prayer closet, I said, Lord, I'm going to keep on pushing. I'm not going to back off. I need my prayers answered. I need you, my brothers and sisters, to be able to call me and say, I'm sick, Pastor. Will you pray for me? And you're healed. I need you to be able to call and say, Pastor, would you pray for me for the gift of the Holy Spirit? Oh, my brothers and sisters, we need Jesus. Some of you are a a year away from Jesus. Some of you are a month. Some of you are weeks away from Jesus. 
How close are you to Jesus today? If you get in a serious crisis, a life-threatening crisis, how long will it take you to get to Jesus before he will answer your cry? Or will you just give up and go somewhere else for your answer? Let me read for you Jeremiah 17. I'll begin reading with verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed, that is, utterly detestable, is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands, He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched place of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. This is what is happening in America even now as I give this broadcast. America is going to become a wasteland. We are going to lose our prosperity. We're going to lose our petrodollar. We're going to be dwelling in parched places in the desert, in a salt land, where there's famine. Do you know how to reach God for manna? Would God answer your prayer? Verse 7, But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree transplanted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. God is searching your mind right now. He is is examining your life right now. He is making decisions about what he's going to do with you. You are in the hand of Almighty God. Your life hangs in the balance of God's decision about your destiny for eternity. And if you're casual about this God and you trust in the in the man, in the flesh, You're going to lose everything. How is it with you? I have one more scripture I'd like to share with you, and then we're going to be out of time. In Isaiah, the 30th chapter, verse 9. These are rebellious people. 
deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, see no more visions, and to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way. Get off the path. Stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. I have confronted you today with the Holy One of Israel. Will you answer? Verse 15, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, the Holy One of Israel. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. In repentance and rest is your salvation. Quietness and trust is your strength. In other words, come before the Almighty God and begin to repent and ask Him if He would please open your eyes and your understanding of what the sin is in your life. You already know perhaps much of it. He's been telling you to cut off that wickedness and you've hung on to it. He's told you to cut off that tobacco and alcohol and drugs, and yet you still keep doing it. You keep going back to it. He's told you what he wants you to do, but until you get in the prayer closet and pray that through, you will have no victory over that sin, and it will cause you to go to hell. You said, no, we will flee on horses, therefore you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses, therefore your pursuers will be swift. A thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you'll all flee away till you're left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. In other words, hung out to dry. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. So stop making decisions for yourself and begin to wait upon the Lord until he gives you clear direction about what he wants you to do. And if he's already given you that clear direction, get there and obey that direction as quickly as you can. Many of you have told me, yes, the Lord's told me to go here or do this or do that. Have you done it? Well, no, it's not really, I can't really do that right now. What? You can't really obey the Lord God of heaven right now? Do you understand what you're saying? Well, we're out of time for the broadcast today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I believe God is faithful. And I believe he will answer prayers if my sins do not hide his face from me, if my iniquities do not cause him to turn away. When God does not answer our prayers, it does not mean we give up believing. It means we press in and get closer. It means we seek him with all of our hearts until he is found. We knock until the door is open for us. And while we're doing that, we wait patiently upon him 
crying out to him, but waiting upon him. If this broadcast has been helpful and all the others that you've been listening to, would you would you join me in supporting this broadcast that we could continue again next month? Would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195? Or would you go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com and would you give online? I thank my dear brother Chuck and others who are doing that. It encourages my heart so much. My address again, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I want you to be in a place with the Lord where he will answer your prayers and hear your cries. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of His glory